Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk free bets up to $2,000. I am your host of the CHGO White Sox podcast, Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And alongside me, as always, is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's the CHGO White Sox community leader. You can follow us on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. Later on in the show, Vinny Duber will be joining us live from Guaranteed Rate Field. He is our CHGO White Sox beat writer. We appreciate everybody already flooding in in the chat. Make sure to like uh, when you guys are joining and commenting. Uh, nice to see all the familiar names in here. You know what the show is about because you all watch the game. It is the final nail in the coffin, as Oz said. We thought it was last night, uh, but man, Guardians really want to make sure this thing's really just locked in, just really dead. Oh, uh, they're, they're lighting the match right now, and they've already, you know, put us and lowered us in six feet under. They're lighting a match, and then tomorrow with Bieber, they're going to light that shit on fire and make sure the White Sox are incinerated. I I, I predicted Luis Castillo to throw the no-hitter. Hmm. I think Shane Bieber might do it tomorrow. The White Sox lose 8-2 to two tonight, and it wasn't really an ass-beating, like an ass-taking, if that's... That sounds a little yeah, weird. Sounds, yeah. But like, you know, it just it just felt like the White Sox, the White Sox just kind of gave up. You know, it's just kind of like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm you know, yeah, fine. whatever. Yeah, I'm you guys here. are going to beat us, so go ahead and get it over with. Beat us up and then we'll take our punishment. Whatever you guys can do to us, fuck it. We don't care. Started right in the first inning. Lance Lynn is inducing the ground balls that you need. And from the first inning, Yoan Mankato waits back on a Rosario, like, Rosario's fast. Everybody knows this. Mm-hmm. Waits back. Kind of casually waits back for it. I thought he was doing that so we could just get a quick out at second, get uh, Stephen Kwan out at second, who started the game off with a single. But no, he tries to throw it to first, and Rosario's got way too much speed for you to hang back. He had a really tough first inning. Then you see the rocket shot by Jimenez later in the game, or later in that inning, goes right off of Yohan's glove, you know, and then later in the game, Yoan and Andrew Vaughn almost collide again. Andrew Vaughn drops the ball and air on him. Um, Can I add one too? Oh yeah, Mancata in the first inning he hit a yeah. ball that uh, I think Rosario was ranging to his uh, left towards the second base uh, line, or not second base line, but just towards the second base area, um, basically up the middle. And Mancata's walking to first, uh, yeah. not even running, and you saw Rosario bust his ass down the line in an infield hit. He beat it out. Moncada, who was fast, um, who, you know, was a five-tool player when he was coming up, 
just doesn't want to run yeah. today. And then I forgot Not about the bases loaded, double play opportunity. McConaughey gets the ball at third, steps on third, and then it's a slower runner going down. I think it was Oscar Gonzalez going down the line. He had plenty of time to get the job done with a strong throw, but he tries to underhand it. I don't know if he's trying to look fancy. He's trying to hot dog it, but it short hops Jose Abreu. And yes, some might say Jose should have scoped that, but it's a tough play anyways. You don't need to put your first baseman in that type of situation. And I know Yohan is a better player than this, and this is why I'll go hard on him. The top of the first is inexcusable. It is a bad representation of who he is. Now, home run later in the game, awesome. That's what we need him to do. Bomb. It was but an absolute bomb. This is unacceptable defense from Yohan Moncada. If you're not going to hit, you better field every goddamn ball, and you better field it the way you're supposed to. Take the short hop away. Understand the situation with Rosario. Understand who's going down the line when you got that double play in order, and it's Oscar Gonzalez, and you have plenty of time to throw the ball on a line right to Jose's glove. We saw Elvis Andres do a jump, a Derek Jeter S or Tim Anderson S jump throw from deep in the hole at shortstop hit in the back of Jose's glove, not in the ground. If you hit that on the ground, people would understand, but that's what it takes. The concentration, the focus, the, the actual work to be an elite third baseman. He should be an elite third baseman by now. He is not. Right now, he is struggling mightily. This is a failure of a season for Yohan Moncada. He needs to get better himself. Dedicate this offseason to being better. Whatever he needs to do. He could still do his bachata. Whatever he wants to do is rap. I'm not saying not have fun, but this is his vocation. This is the thing that he needs to do for Yohan Moncada to hit his potential because there's nothing worse than a person you know has more talent right now. And him coming way short of that talent. He's falling way short. And it's on him, not on the White Sox training staff, not on the coaching staff, on Yoan Mankata to become that five-tool player again, to become that top five third baseman that he almost was last year. So, yeah, he had a horrible game, and it was evident today. I don't know if he gave up, but it felt like it. He had a horrible game, but also, again, the White Sox, if he wasn't on the team, would be losing 8-1. to one. Because again, he's he's got the one home run, so at least he made up for it. I mean, this this sucked. This game sucked. I mean, I want to tell you about this ass kicking. Do we have the Tristan McKenzie graphic ready? So Tristan McKenzie threw twenty three called strikes. That is the second most, tied for the second most that the Sox have seen this entire year. Shane Bieber back on July twelfth had twenty four. Brady Singer had twenty three back on August 9th. Tonight McKenzie had twenty three and a called strike plus whiff percentage mm. of forty six percent. Makes me want to puke. Oh, my God. That is absolutely just a team giving up. That's a team not wanting to be there tonight. We didn't see a lot of balls that made us get up. It was a lot of ground ball theater tonight from the White Sox. A lot of strikeouts. When I saw Tristan McKenzie on points bet at five and a half for his over-under at money. plus money uh, for the over, I slammed that, put 10 bucks on it, and I won $20.50. Um, it, it's just easy money, and I, I didn't expect it to be, you know, because the White Sox gave up, but they gave up today. I mean, a- absolutely. If they were striking out and maybe, you know, like, you, you would see the some signs of life there if the White Sox were trying. Um, strikeouts don't mean much because there was a close game when he struck out 14. Um, but this team, 
I mean, from the first inning on, the only person that was trying, it looked like Jose Abreu um, and then Elvis Andrews. Um, but, but outside of that, Many of them showed up to the plate. Or, no. or showed up to to, to task. And another, um, I don't want to blast blast Lance, blast Lance Lynn either. Um, he wasn't great, but I mean his team, the defense behind him was poor, which is always us. And I know I want to talk about another player who is falling off the table from where the heights of this season was, and it's Andrew Vaughn. I don't know what happened. He used to have a pretty standard, pretty solid strike zone balls. He used to swing at. Balls he used to let go. Now he's nose to toes. He can swing at those high fastballs and whiff right through them. He is not the player he used to be. And maybe it's because another year, this is another year breaking through that wall of however many games he's played in his career. This is the longest that he's ever played in his career, either be college or professional. So he's breaking through that wall, and he's probably getting tired. But his at-bats can be better. Even if you're tired, you can give a better effort. And today, I didn't see great effort from him either. So I'm calling out players individually because I know they can be better. I won't call out Lurie Garcia if he was in the lineup because he is who he is. I'll call him out if he makes an error or a dumb play where the baseball IQ is lacking. But Andrew Vaughn can be a better player than he is right now, and he's not showing it. The not calling off Yoan Moncada, or I don't know what the communication is right there. It's infuriating still to this day that we're, a, that we're that we're a plus days, what 140, 145 games in, and we're not communicating. And I looked at the Cleveland Guardians, literally had the same type of play. Jimenez is going out to outfield. Miles Straw calls him off. Jimenez stops, stops in his tracks, and peels off. So Miles Straw doesn't have to worry about the guy in front of him. Relax, caught the ball in middle mid center field. That's how you do it. Cleveland Guardians don't beat themselves because they're well-taught, they're well-coached, and they communicate with each other. Different languages there with Miles Straw and Jimenez and their native tongues, they still communicate and they get the job done. That is the team that the White Sox should be with a little bit more power. I love the Cleveland Guardians. I ain't ain't afraid to say it. They are a well-oiled machine and a team that plays the game correctly. The White Sox are an embarrassment. You see the Twins get their ass kicked by the Yankees playoff series after playoff series, right? Because they're just a joke of a franchise. They're the weird-ass Minnesota Twins. The Guardians are a well-oiled machine. And even if they don't do well in the playoffs and advance past the first round, that's just because the AL is very difficult. Yeah. That's because they're going up against a sixth seed that has Luis Castro and Robbie Ray as their first two aces. I mean, that's just a difficult matchup. But well-oiled machine, a difficult out, absolutely. And and I think it would be difficult even if they get swept. Like, I, I think that they're going to give any team a heartbreak because or a, a headache because you know in the seventh and eighth innings and ninth innings they're always going to give you a hard at bat every single ball on the outfield they're going to try to take two on you every single base they can take they will be there I mean Ernie Clement on that game winning uh run he had or, or game uh, advance uh, go ahead uh, run against the twins was brilliant from second on a pass ball he scored because he was just anticipating that pass ball. He didn't hesitate going around third base. They knew how to they know how to run bases. Every person on their team knows how to run a base. I, I you could I mean like picking the White Sox that know how to run bases, I think it's probably AJ Pollock is decent at it. Um and then I think Jose Abreu is pretty decent at it. Like I mean he's he's always been, you know, fairly especially for a first baseman, fairly um you know, feasible out there. But you said it earlier with Yoan Moncada walking down the line. This was established in the early season where the White Sox organization told players they don't have to go all out. 
They don't have to go all out the first base. Don't get injured. But as I was taught in high school, as many of you who are watching and listening were taught, when you go half-ass, that's when you get hurt. When you're timid, you're tentative, that's when you get hurt. When you go all out, that's when you're, you know, if you train to go all out, you can go all out. But this is the thing where the White Sox struggle at is keeping their players healthy. And then the message is, hey, you don't have to go 100%. And then that filters through. Okay, I don't need to go 100%. These games don't count in May or or June. Oh, we got to go all out now in September? Oh, man, the Cleveland Guardians are just way too good for us. Cleveland is just good. They're going all out all year long. They saw the White Sox in their sights and like, okay, you guys think you're the best. You guys think you're running the AL Central. Won it by 10 games last year. Congratulations. That's last year. This year, we're taking that title from you because we want it. We're hungry for it. There's a lot of comments I want to get to. Uh, Talking and grubbing media said, I could be wrong, but maybe the White Sox came and or White Sox fans came into the season believing their own hype. The White Sox did. They told you that. Um, and I, I, I mean, this could be uh, this everybody. There's a new commenter, but I mean, yeah, the White Sox fans bought into it because that's what the White Sox were telling you. The White Sox were talking so much shit. Um, so I mean, the, the White Sox fans, especially with their payroll. I mean, they're the seventh highest payroll in baseball. I want to go to Jared's super chat because it kind of goes uh, into that. Um, Jared follows with the super chat. Thank you very much for the five dollar super Woo-hoo. chat. Han um, uh, was smart. To not waste prospects, that's just an infactual. Han was smart. I don't think you could say that. I'm surprised. His, oxymoron, his, right? his phone, like His phone didn't autocorrect that. Han was smart to not waste prospects during the deadline. Had to know that this team is hollow, low effort, and in need of an enema. I don't know about that. I, I, I totally understand your point. Yep. But what he always said after that was he believes in this team, and he was frustrated that he couldn't get a deal done. I, I didn't buy that. I think he could have gotten a deal done. I just don't think that. I don't know. It's that's it's it, that's a tough thing because I, I I don't I think he believed in this team. Do you think he believed in this team? He had to because he didn't do, make any goddamn moves in the offseason to improve the team that lost the Houston Astros last year. And you put one hundred and twelve million dollars in this team. Yeah, and then you bring back Lurie Garcia as if he is a solution to the second base slash right field. He doesn't play anymore. Lurie Garcia does not play anymore. He has two years left on the contract. That's inexcusable. Rick Hahn has failed, and I got it. People like Rick Hahn. He smiles. He's good with the media. No, he is a failure. This rebuild, this whole thing is a failure. This team will not come back next year and all of a sudden be good. They won't be the team that we wanted them to be. They're getting a year older. And I saw somebody said you shouldn't have gave them money early. It's like, what does that have to do with anything? I understand people think they get relaxed and lazy and stuff like that. But that's an old garbage trope. This, the reason why Rick Hahn signed these players, and the reason why you get the, all the players that you had back in the day for cheap, is because then when you have a chance to pounce, you have cost control and cost certainty with the rest of the roster. And so whatever you need, you can supplement it in the free agent market if you didn't do good drafting or development. They had second base, they had right field available, and they did nothing to address those positions. They said, well, Gavin Sheets and... and, um, Andrew Vaughn will come back. And I saw somebody caping for Andrew Vaughn. He's not an outfielder. He's an outfielder now. He's been an outfielder for two damn years. If he's not an outfielder, 
then he needs to be cussed out himself. You, you're, that's where you're playing. Has some, has some pride in where you're playing. I understand that you didn't start as an outfielder, but God damn it, right now you're an outfielder. If Jose Abreu comes back next year, you're an outfielder. You're an outfielder until the White Sox say you're not. So until the day that you get into a DH slash first base position, have some pride. Take some pride in the craft that you're doing out there in left field. Have some communication with Yoan Moncada or the shortstop. I don't have any more excuses for Andrew Vaughn. Catch that goddamn ball. Call off your infielder. No more excuses. Yes, the Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams thing has failed you. But goddamn it, you're in the outfield now. Go to work and do some good stuff out there. I, I understand your point, but I, I don't want to put this all on Vaughn just because I think a lot of his issues are just, he kind of encapsulates the White Sox issues as a whole. Calling up players way too quickly and having them kind of just fail because you're putting them in a position to fail. Andrew Vaughn should not be an outfielder. Andrew Vaughn should have played more games in the minor leagues. I think he would have been more prepped, and I think that you could have... I mean, he clearly plays DH very well. He hits better when he's a DH. Um, but you see, last year he was walking. This year he's not walking. That's the team's issue. He's chasing more now. I think he's becoming more anxious at the plate, and he's trying to... You know, he's feeling that pressure. He's feeling um, you know the, that, uh, that that pressing uh, that, that the team is as well. Like... I just think that he's not in a, a great position. I think if you took Andrew Vaughn and put him at first base in a completely different franchise, he would have an at least a, an above-average major league career. But I think playing a guy in the outfield can kill his confidence. And, and, and the fact that you don't have an actual staff to help him. I mean, we talk about Daryl Boston and, and Joe McEwing and, and all of these guys surviving coaching uh, regime after coaching regime. Like... I don't know. I just think that the White Sox have always had this issue. The White Sox have always done something like this. They've always ruined their prospects. Gordon Beckham said, I probably needed to go down to the minors at some point. Andrew Vaughn's not at, at that point yet. He's still treading water well. Um, and I think if you, again, if you put him at the DH in 2023, I think he'd be fine. Um, but again, I just don't think they have the prospect feel down. And that's why I think they're trying new things like Project Birmingham. Let me, let me ask you a question. Do you bring Jose Abreu back next year? Um... It, I, it's tough decisions. We said that with Aloy Jimenez. We said that with Andrew Vaughn, and we said that with Jose Abreu. Like, clearly, like, I think the easiest thing would be, like, trade Gavin Sheets. But you and Tanny always said, deals have to hurt yeah, when, when, no, you, when no, you do it. So I think the White Sox Gavin Sheets. might be better off just saying, at this point, they need to get younger. Right, right. I mean, you look at Andrews as their shortstop, Harrison's their second baseman, Grandal and Zavala aren't that young at catcher, especially Grandal with his back injuries. Um, Pollock in left field. I mean, like, this is an older team, and they got old pretty quickly. Johnny Cueto, Lance Lynn kind of holding down that staff. All of that youth that was there in 2019 got really old really quickly. And all of those guys have regressed. Like, Luis Roberts supposed to be the young star. Luis Roberts not starting tonight. Aloy Jimenez, uh, you know, got a, well... Uh, he got a day off today, right? No, he got he was he was in that lineup. Yep. Um, That's but I mean, he he really you know he, he can't play uh, an outfield position anymore. Um, and he's been dealing with so many injuries. Tim Anderson, I mean, he he's been great, but then he's dealing with this injury, not able to help the team. Um, and he's getting closer to thirty. Yoan Moncada, same thing. I mean, clearly he's having so many issues just you know being there and being at the game and focusing. So this is that the reason why I brought you the is Jose Abreu come back. If he is coming back, you need to get rid of both Jose uh, Andrew Vaughn. And Aloy Jimenez, both of them, 
because none of them can play the outfield. Right. And we're going to have excuses. People making excuses. He's not an outfielder. Well, God damn it, he's playing in the outfield. But that's not his fault. That's, it that's, is his that's, fault. No, that's, no, that's, it's that's his Rick Hahn's fault. fault. No, it's initially Rick Hahn's fault. But if you're a professional, go out and do your job. But I, I but go out and do fair. your job. I, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong about that. I think that Andrew Vaughn clearly, the White Sox have an issue with calling off one another. Whether it's Andrew Vaughn, whether it's AJ Pollock, whether it's the infielders, that's a that's a White Sox issue. And like I said, he he just encapsulates or uh, you know kind of some just surmises all of the White Sox issues. Like, he doesn't call off outfielders. He takes bad routes, um, misses cutoff bands. Like, I mean, like, there's there's a lot of issues with Andrew Vaughn, but I think if he had better coaching, he seems like a guy that can be coached up. He seems like a guy that gives a lot of effort. He's always running. He doesn't run fast, but he's always running as fast as he can. Like, I think there's a lot of a, you know, a, a good baseball player in there. I just think that he's not getting the right coaching. And like I said, like, I think if you put him at first base or DH and 29 other organizations, he's going to be above average. It's just the White Sox have are known to killing prospects and killing players, and they're doing it again with Andrew Vaughn. This he team, didn't look this bad when he was a rookie. I, they're just breaking him. This team needs to change, and it can't change unless you tell Jose Abreu, hey, man, it's been real. We don't want you, which is never going to happen. If he wants to come back, he's coming back. And if that happens, I'm all arms, and I want him back, but then you have to trade Aloy and Andrew Vaughn, to get this team to be better, to be more diverse. You see when Cleveland has their infielders or people where they need to supplement the outfield, Miles Straw doesn't hit well. Mm -hmm. But one thing, two things he does well is run fast and catch balls out in center field. You saw the deep catch he made today deep in the hole. That's because Miles Straw is a great outfielder. They saw him in Houston. They said, hey, you know what? He can't hit, but you know what? He can play center field for us because we have a position out there where we've been throwing a couple people out there and it's not working out well. I don't care if Miles Straw can hit or not. He can well, catch. Let's put him out there. Same thing with Framo Reyes. You're not doing the job. Cool. We got a guy down there and uh, Oscar Gonzalez doing the same thing you, you can do. He's not a great outfielder. You see that. But he hits. He overhits his bad fielding. We don't see Andrew Vaughn and or Gavin Cheats overhitting their bad fielding. Sure. So this is the thing. The White Sox need to trade some of these outfield DH types to get better outfields, outfielders out there. I always put it to the Carlos Lee, Scott Pacetic thing they did in 2005 with Luis Vizcano coming alongside with the uh, uh, trade there. Just knowing that, yes, Andrew Vaughn might be an all-star eventually. Same thing with Loy Jimenez. But they don't fit on this team where we have a bunch of them on it. And they don't, and Loy Jimenez doesn't stay healthy enough. And Andrew Vaughn while had a good early start of the season, has fallen off the table ever since, and his defense is not getting any better. Well, with your points with, like, Gonzalez, like, I just think, like, it, it means different or more with Vaughn just because he was the top three pick. Like, I, I just think that there is clearly talent in there, and the fact that you're putting him in a position where he's just, he's just not fast enough to play I think it's just a disservice to the player. I don't know. And you're right, though, that he needs to out-hit what he's doing in the outfield. I, yeah. I don't disagree with he's you. He's like that. a .4 war this year. It's because he cannot field, and his hitting is falling off the table. But you'd think but, a, a franchise would notice that and say, hey, maybe we should start putting him in the outfield. But again, like you said, like there's too much of a, a, a logjam here. Yeah, that's what I feel. So I hope the White Sox 
don't go back and say, hey, this is just run this back because it's a incomplete team that will do similar things next year. They'll play not smart baseball next year, too, if they have to bring a Loy back, Andrew Vaughn, Abreu, and uh, Gavin Sheets. It's a lot of people who can not play a lot of positions for four positions and then keep on interchanging them. If the White Sox continue to play bad baseball and dumb baseball in 2023, I will continue to be sad, which thankfully, uh, Green Ridge Farm exists to make me happy. Green Ridge Farm is a Chicago local meat and cheese company offering you a better all-natural option. They're the makers of all-natural deli meat sausages and their famous meat sticks. If I won't come out of my room because the White Sox, you know, don't make the playoffs for two days and you guys need me for a show on Monday, you know, just say, Hey, Sean, got you some meat sticks, you know, come out, you know, we'll, we'll get you some meat sticks in you and, and you'll be ready to go. And it's probably the truth. You know, meat sticks can bring me out of my darkest days. Really? Yeah. Um, we met our guy, Jack Kwiatkowski, who's uh, yeah. said, uh, Vinny, uh, wanted to let Vinny know that he was going to be uh, very, very sad uh, after last night's loss. And, uh, we saw Jack today, uh, walking, walking into in, the game, walking into the game. And, uh, you know, I think Jack, especially after a loss like this, probably needs some meat sticks. Uh, they're delicious because they're made from recipes, uh, generations in the making and being all natural, they deliver a freshest, fresh and flavor alternative at snack time. Uh, you can always find them in the refrigerated section at Costco, Sam's club, or in your local Chicagoland grocery store. And right now, when you order three or or when you order any three meat products at Greenrich Farm and include a pack of meat sticks in your cart, those meat sticks will be free simply by using code CHGO at checkout. So right now, when you order any three meat products at GreenrichFarm.com and include a pack of meat sticks in your cart, those meat sticks will be free. So you are getting something that will make you happy for free simply by using the code CHGO at checkout. Thank you to Greenrich Farms for supporting us, mainly because we eat your delicious meat sticks each and every day. We also want to give a shout out to FOCO. Uh, they have fantastic bobbleheads on their site. Uh, if you want some City Connect uniforms, we saw those in person uh, finally on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. That was nice to see. Uh, you can check out FOCO.com, F-O-C-O. Uh, FOCO has the best apparel for your fan your your uh, White Sox fan in your life they have the best slippers signs bobbleheads and everything in between so get decked out with your favorite apparel for your favorite teams and if you're looking for the football fan in your life they got hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze we felt it a little bit tonight and uh, it's going to get down to about 54 I think Steven said uh, so it's hoodies and shorts what sweat, mm-hmm. sweatshirts so check out foco.com or click the link in the description below and for all non-presale items use the promo code CHGO for 10 off again check out foco foco.com or click the link in the description below and for all nine pre-sale items use the promo code chgo for 10 percent off uh, they have a dallas keiko bobblehead on foco so uh go check that out and uh, maybe that will make you happy just like the meat sticks from green ridge farm make me happy uh let's go out to guaranteed rate field and talk to the chgo white Sox beat writer vinnie duber you can follow him on twitter at vinnie duber um his most recent piece was posted last night at like 2 30 a.m uh vinnie how'd you recover after last night's uh very very long game you know you, you get a good night's sleep you go to the beach it's all it's all ancient history so we're good nice how, nice beach day you finally got one in before uh i mean like i said it's gonna get down to 54 tonight Gotta gotta squeeze every last ounce out of summer, and uh, you know now it's apparently going to be fall tomorrow. So good thing, good thing we went today. Yeah, what's that shirt, Vinny? I've got a shirt on of Mount Rainier National Park. How about that? I'm almost almost blue. A couple weeks ago, actually, it was a false start there with uh, Mount Rainier, and the people out there in Seattle thought there was like a little uh, smokestack above it, but it was just a cloud. So it's a great shirt. Did you go out to Mount Rainier when you were out in Seattle area? I have not been. It's on my it's on my to do list. 
sometimes you have to buy the shirt before you actually uh, get uh, to go to the place. Beautiful land out there. Ah, the White Sox, man, Vinny. It's just so depressing. We're out there again today, uh, courtesy of Game Time. Thank you very much, Game Time. And it felt like fewer people were in attendance and the crowd was kind of subdued. And I felt the players kind of built off of that. And, you know, the, you know, it's disappointing for us yesterday how they lost, but did you talk to the players and how they felt today went? Because I could just say just anecdotally that, you know, that first inning felt deflating for us and it looked like the players felt the same. Yeah, I mean, they played awful. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, you could see it in the way that they were out going about things out there tonight. Now, is it a factor of last night really having an impact on today, or is it a factor of that first inning was miserable from a defensive standpoint, and that puts the whole sour stamp on the whole game? Then you get Tristan McKenzie going out there and, and you know, just carving them up. Um, it could have just been one of those days where the game that they were playing – made them, uh, you know, kind of lifeless as opposed to the game that they played last night. But that being said, pretty much the only people who uh, are, are still talking about there being season left and games left to play are the ones who are wearing White Sox uniforms because I think uh, all you got to do is look at the numbers, look at the look at what's going on and say, it's done. It's over. So, hey, Sean doesn't think so. Sean, Sean's got a Sean's big rally delusional. coming up. What's going on? I read Vinny Duber's piece at allchgo.com last night, and he said – Fangraph's playoff odds had a, them at 1.7%. ESPN right now has them at 2.2%. So they've gone up that's, at 0.5%. That's current? They were that's, at 6% last night, Sean. Or maybe that was coming point, in. That might have been coming into yesterday. Okay. I thought it was 1.7. That might have been as of maybe. Monday night. Um, but, yeah. but but the reason is because the, the Rays lost. So the Rays maybe have lost three straight. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I, know, I wrote but, it, didn't I? I'm sure it's right on there. I looked at Fangraphs, so that's I'll, what I'll, but, I'll check it. Don't worry. Um, but <laughs> Check Fangraphs. Don't check my thing. <laughs> um, but uh, where was I going with this? Um, you, your faith in the White Sox making the playoffs. Oh, but uh, the Rays. The, the Rays have lost three straight. That's, so, I mean, they've, 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 I mean, they still technically have kept the door open for the Sox. No. The White I, Sox the, haven't won. I, I'm not. I'm just saying, like mathematically, games off the calendar. I, we put the nail in the coffin last night, and tonight does not say uh, that they have uncorked any of those nails. The the uh, the number for the Rays marks off the calendar when the White Sox lose too. So they get games off the calendar too. So their magic number is going down versus the White Sox too. Our only hope in is your convoluted White Sox have to go uh, undefeated until the end of the season, and the Rays got to lose, like, every single game ever. White it's Sox. not going to happen, Sean. Sean, I'm give it up. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Give it up. I'm, all right, whatever. <laughs> um, did, did Lance – I know Lance Lynn's very kind of, you know, short with his answers after his starts. Did he mention anything with the first inning defense? I mean, he said what you'd expect him to say, that, that you know, yeah, that happens, and he's got to pitch around it and pitch better. I mean, listen, okay. the, the, the defense was bad today, no doubt about it, but – uh, they didn't do it all on their own. Not like every run was unearned. Uh, you know, Lance Lynn gave up nine hits tonight. And, yeah, some of those were the cause of a def the defense not being so great. But, um, you know, he gave up a home run. He gave up nine hits. He, you know, he got, he got hit. The Guardians did their thing. The Guardians did what they do, which is they don't take the foot off the gas pedal. Uh, they keep running around the bases constantly and gets them runs. I mean, you've got to you've got to stop that from happening if you're the team that they're playing against the white Sox couldn't do it whether it was with the glove or with or with lance lynn's arm i mean you know what i mean you don't want you don't want 
the Guardians to get on first base and start zipping around the bases, don't give up a hit. That's that's basically what's going on. And uh, uh, listen, there's one team out there who looks like uh, they're they're fighting for every inch of it. And there's one team out there that looks like they've got a one percent chance of making the playoffs. <laughs> and Vinny, uh, yesterday you were uh, uh, relaying the message that Miguel Cairo had came on uh, with you guys and saying like it was his fault that he didn't get team ready. He was kind of, you know, mo, no, you know, not what was me, but he was taking all the responsibility for the White Sox losing yesterday's game. How do you feel today after this game really got out of hand early? He said they didn't play good. He was correct. Um, I mean, it's uh, it, he. I mean, listen. He clarified those statements. Not even clarified. He expanded on those statements earlier today and basically said what we got to last night, which was when you lose, it's the manager's fault. When you win, it's the player's fault. Uh, basically, is just kind of his philosophy more than it is uh, a a comment on what happened last evening in specific. Um, he doesn't like to get too specific uh, uh, in these post-game moments. Uh, yesterday, it was us trying to ask him, well, why is this your fault? You know, did you do something that made – and he just said, nope, it's my fault we lost. Tonight, he was like, we didn't play good. And people are like, oh, well, was there something specific? You know, what was with some of these plays? And he's like, no, no, we didn't play good. It was bad. We didn't deserve to win kind of thing. So, um now, to be fair, that's also true. They, they were bad in all facets tonight. If he was going to get specific, it might have gone on for a while, that post-game press conference. So, uh, you know, they, they, didn't, they couldn't hit Tristan McKenzie. Whether that was his fault or their fault, it was the same result. They didn't do hardly anything offensively. We already talked about what Lance, uh, you know, did on his end of things, too. And Jose Ruiz comes in and gives up a two-run homer. I mean, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was a team effort of a loss, uh, I think. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what I what – I, what came to mind at watching the Guardians tonight was a team that, that never let up, right? The last two nights, obviously, a team that yeah, never mm-hmm. stops. Um, and Tim Anderson, after 2020, uh, you know, right before spring training yep. of 2021, uh, he was on a podcast, I believe, with Chuck over at NBC, and he said, you know, we need to have a, that dog in us. We need to come out and have a whoop em attitude kind of thing was, was uh, a pretty close to what he said. He used a little bit more colorful profanity in there that I'm not going to go with right now. But um, he uh, he did. I don't think you're going to want to repeat that one either. But uh, oh the point being, <laughs> he he said what the White Sox were trying to do to be successful. And regardless of whether at any point in the last two seasons they believe they found that attitude, the Guardians sure have it. Mm-hmm. The Guardians sure have that attitude right now, and they're out there showing what a team with that attitude looks like and what they can do at the end of the season when it comes to, in this case, winning an AL Central championship or when you get to a team you know, way down the road, whether it's the Dodgers or the Astros or whoever, in winning a World Series. Uh, the Astros showed last year how big the gap is between the White Sox and the, and the top teams in, in the league. Mm-hmm. What the Guardians are showing right now are, is how big the gap is between this very specific White Sox team and a team that is capable of winning and making the playoffs and being a winning team. The White Sox don't have it right now, and the Guardians are showing what they're missing in, in, in order to you know be that team. The White Sox haven't done it, and so the White Sox are going to be sitting at home this year. They're not going to need to ask themselves why they're going to know by watching the guardians and saying, Oh, well, we didn't play like that. Did anybody, sorry. Uh, no, did, real quick. I want to, I want to give Vinny a lot of props on this, this quote. Cause this quote is great. Also, you didn't see the social video that we posted today. Cause I think I swore like seven times in a minute. Always. Again, I'm not, I don't really have a problem with swearing. I'll do it. Uh, in this situation, I think the swear is one of, you know, 
I, I don't want to quite go all the way to the edge yeah, of the, he's uh, in, on the cliff here. Come on. He's in his beat. Oh, I, I know he is. I know, and he's he's in the, he's in the hallowed grounds right now too. Hmm. Um, but Tim said. It was too laid back, Anderson said, of the team's attitude in 2020, talking to our Chuck Guyfine, which is Vinny, which was at his old job, um, on the White Sox Talk podcast. We need that dog in us. We need some, let's go out here and whoop these MFers. We need that type of attitude versus, like, are we going to win today? No. Let's go out there and whoop them. It might be 10-0 in the first. Let's keep going. That type of winning, not just feeling around and see what happens. From the first inning, let's go. I think it's great because... What's the reaction when Josh Naylor hits his home run? Cheers, because mainly Guardians fans were the only ones being vocal at that time. But you heard some Sox fans being like, oh, oh, God. And Naylor's running around first with his finger going up. Do you know who hates that or who, who hated stuff like that? When the White Sox were winning. When the White Sox were doing that to other teams. Like, that's a great callback, Vinny, because Josh Naylor is embodying that 100%. He is kicking the White Sox ass at every chance that he can get. And White Sox fans hate him for it because they have that whoop em attitude. It's, it's a great thing. I mean, literally in their own division, uh, they are getting it taken to by their own, their own attitude. And maybe that's because Tim's not there and, and he's been, I mean, that, that absence is being felt in that way. They're out there stealing bases in the seventh and eighth inning. I mean, they've got a six-run lead. I mean, they this is a this is a team that um, you know what has what have the White Sox said about this Guardians team the last few days? They play the game the right way. There you go. That's I mean, what you know, I'm not I'm not saying that um, you know that the White Sox are a bunch of you know nobodies that they can't do anything and they're never going to do anything because they don't you know go first to third enough. But I'm just saying. If they were, if they looked like that, they would have the look of a team that is hitting the gas at the right time of year to get into the postseason. That's what the Guardians look like, and I and I, I mean it as a compliment to Cleveland because they mm-hmm. deserve it. They're playing that way. Um, the White Sox don't look like that, and so if you wonder why there are six games separating the White Sox, who are supposed to run away with this division, from the team that's in first place, that's a big reason why. Yeah, and what you're saying, Vinny, it resonates with me. Sometimes motivation, sometimes, you know, mindset has to be right for you to overcome something that seems impossible. Cleveland, if you looked at them on paper before the beginning of the year, same thing with Minnesota, you say the White Sox are clearly, and we all said it, national media, everybody who is a baseball person said the White Sox are a far superior team. But Cleveland didn't believe that. They thought they were the best team in this division. They probably have a mentality to think they are the best team in the AL. And I think they could do some damage in the playoffs. So a mentality has to change within the White Sox because they have the talent there. And they just need to feel it and know that they are the best. And I'm glad that Cleveland's doing this to them and stealing bases late in the game. There's no clock in baseball yet until next year when we had the pitch clock. Keep on stealing bases. Run the score up. Embarrass the White Sox so they feel like, okay, that's where we need to go. There's the level. There's the the marker. There's where we need to be. Let's go and get there. Let's get that same attitude as we should have had in 2021 and 2022. Now Cleveland is the, the, the team in AL Central we need to chase, and we need to get the same mentality that they have because I did hate what Josh Naylor did early in the year. Now I look back, I'm like, man. Wish we had a guy like that was hitting home runs in the eighth inning and extra innings and getting hyped up afterwards. So, yeah, mentality is big time into baseball. I used to not believe that, but Cleveland's proven me 100% wrong on that. Well, you're playing 162 games, so you got to be up for every single one of them. Yeah. Uh, I just thought that, you know, talent over over 162 would take over. But I think the White Sox thought that, too. Yeah. 
Um, Vinny, I want to ask you a little bit about Miguel Cairo because um, you said he's, it doesn't get too in-depth, but um, how does he feel like for the moment? I don't know if that's a stupid question, but you've covered, I think, three other managers, Tony, Ricky, and a little bit of Robin. I could be incorrect about that. Um, bit, yeah. But uh, how, how does he compare? I mean, does he does it feel too big for him, or does he kind of feel like he, he, he fits with the job well? I mean, I think he's doing a fine job. I, I, I don't think you can point to anything. I mean, her you've talked about it a million times. I think I am probably pretty well in agreement with you that, you know, the player's got to go play. And, and I don't know how much there is that, that the manager makes a huge difference. Obviously it's going to happen, you know, in for better and for worse over the course of a, a very long season. Um, but in general, you know, you, I don't think you can necessarily judge someone um, by, you know, watching them in the game and be like, Oh, what are they, what are they doing now? What are they, how are they handling this game? You know what I mean? It's like, you make the move. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. The players are going to be the determine, determining factor of the outcome. That being said, I mean, I think he's um, thrilled to have this opportunity. Uh, I think he is uh, a guy who um, brought a much needed spark. Uh, I don't know how that would play out over the course of an entire season, because I think the contrast of, of you know, looking up from your looking up from your phone and all of a sudden your manager's uh, gone and now you've got this different voice telling you even if it was the same message you got a different voice in there i think that's really the benefit he's been who knows if that applies when there is not that other there to that you have to kind of shift gear to right i mean if he's the gear for the whole year who knows but um i think certainly you got to be uh, positive if you're the if you're a white Sox player if you're the white Sox, if you're a fan on what he's been able to do um that being said, this is the players, and they've got to and they've got to win these games. They've got to uh, back him up, right? Uh, you know, if his if if he were to come in here and he and they take off from there, well, it's because they listened and they went out and they started hitting and scoring and pitching and you know catching the ball. Um, now we're getting to the point where it's really kind of been either every other. Now there's a little losing streak here with the, these two games against Cleveland. You know. It, is that is the way they played tonight and yesterday the a reflection of Miguel Cairo? No, I think it's probably a reflection of them not playing very well. Um, but so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I would uh, have a big enough sample size to compare him to the to the guys who had entire seasons uh, to go ahead and, and set a tone. But um, I, I think his very brief tenure here that's just a few weeks old um, has been a positive one because I don't think when he took over we expected to be sitting here saying that they blew these crucial games. We expected to be sitting here saying that these games didn't matter. So, um, you know, it's, I guess it's interesting in that regard, but uh, you know, we'll see. Well, I, I just kind of thought about, you know, 2023 and what, who might be manager managing this White Sox team. And, you know, uh, the, sorry, there's lights going off in like the, the bathroom hallway here in the office. Are you freaked it's out? throwing me off. Cause I'm like, is someone in there no right one's now? In there. It just um, turns off automatically. Sean's freaked out by ghost. Freaking me out. Um, but I, I really think Miguel has been a, a welcome sight for sore eyes here. And I, I've been talking, you know, just with Herb and people in, in 108 uh, when we were at the two games. And just, I think Miguel Cairo, I wouldn't be upset if the White Sox end up hiring Miguel Cairo after 2023 if Tony La Russa is not able to be the manager. I know that hasn't been confirmed or anything like that. Um, you know, Tony's still up in the air about possibly returning in 2022. Um but if they do go away from Tony and they are looking to have a managerial search, I wouldn't be upset if they go through that managerial search and end up hiring Miguel Cairo just because he does have a good pedigree. I like his his playing career. And clearly, I mean, it seems like, you know, from what you're saying, it, it seems like he deals with the media well enough. And I think that this spark, he's able to 
do this for a team at least once. I mean, I think that he could possibly do it in another environment. So um, I'm just thinking 2023 because, you know, the White Sox probably aren't going to have a, a very uh, eventful rest of the uh, 2022 season here with 13 games left. I would say that if they do uh, find themselves in the position where they are going to be looking for a new manager for this team, uh, he would almost certainly be a candidate. Uh, you know what I mean? Just because right. I think he's done enough to earn that title. Um you know, whether that means that he would beat out everybody else, I don't know, or whether it means they liked what they saw so much that they don't need to go looking for anybody. But um, they've done that in the past, and that has not necessarily uh, yielded the best the best of uh, results. Yeah, uh, and I do think we do have a super chat kind of along those lines. Um, it was from a stupid donkey saying, didn't the Sox sign Ventura the same year Francona signed with Cleveland? No, you stupid donkey. Robin Ventura was uh, 2011. Terry Francona was 2012. Uh, so it was the year after to uh, Terry was still with the Red Sox and won a World Series in 2011, right? I don't know. Okay. You, you cool. got that? I know that Robin was hired at... 2011 and uh, the collapse of 2012 was on him. 04, 07, and 11. Uh, and there was another super chat here. Um, no? Okay, we're cool. All right. Uh, other than that, Vinny, I think uh, we're at um, uh, any other injury news that we should know about. Uh, Luis Robert not in the lineup tonight, but I know that they're just kind of managing him day to day. Yeah, I mean, I think Robert is going to be this for the rest of the season. I even asked Miguel yeah. if they would consider sh shutting him down, with, if there's a point where they would consider shutting him down, and he kind of was like, what do you mean? Like we've got games to win. Why would we? Why would we shut down Luis Robert? Kind of thing. So, there's that. Um, do you think it could be a Tim situation where you know if if we don't have a date on when Tim could return? Do you think like if the White Sox do get eliminated, then they could shut him down then? I mean, probably Miguel well, doesn't know that. Well, I will say this. I know we talked about that with Tim Anderson, just kind of speculating last night. Uh, Miguel Cairo was asked, is Tim Anderson going to come back this season? Is there a situation in which he wouldn't? And he said, absolutely not. He is coming back this season. Okay. Uh, now, they don't know when, <laughs> and there are only 13 games left, but, um, but he said, absolutely, Tim will be playing before the end of this season. All right. I mean, that's odd. I mean, especially with Tim's comments about like, this is my career. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that that's, we'll see how they, they handle it. I mean, it, it, I think if they lose again tomorrow against Cleveland, uh, definitely a lot of decisions that they'll have to make there. But uh, Vinny, thank you for joining us from Guaranteed Rate Field. You can follow Vinny on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's the CHGO White Sox beat writer. See you guys. Good night. Good night. I, you guys were talking about uh, Miguel Cairo coming back and I, on its surface, I have no problem with him coming back if Tony does not want to or can't come back in 2023. But also, it is such a White Sox move to hire from within there. And I know somebody said he's an outsider. He's not. He's been here for two years now. He's a White Sox. And this is what they do. They hire people that they're familiar with, that they know. The last time they did outside of the box type of hiring, a person that they didn't know previously was Jerry Emanuel. Now, it, results were varying and most would say bad. But they need to do a thorough search for a manager. If Tony LaRusso does not and cannot come back in 2023 and get the best candidate available in Greg Jack and a lot of White Sox fans will look for Ozzy because that was successful. His years here with the White Sox, for the most part, thumbs up. Of course, 2005 World Series. But I would say cast a wide net. Have the person that you think can bring the most out of these players. And I think the best thing that managers do is control the clubhouse. Right. Make sure the message is 
the same. Make sure the players are up. Understand different philosophies and the psychology of a man. And understand that different players are going to react different to your leadership skills. So having Miguel Cairo, if he is that guy, at the end of the day, I will take it. But it's got to be, and we were talking to Pete Hand today, it's got to be a thorough, a thorough search for the perfect manager to come in here, man or woman. I don't care if if they want to actually break the seal and have a woman in here that leads the way. It's finally time. We need somebody who can lead. And if whoever needs, whoever it is, I don't want it to be an insular hire unless Miguel Cairo is the best person for the job. I think he might be. 17 years in the big leagues is a very, very long career. He played under a lot of different managers. And as we saw under that list, a lot of like, known managers and I think that you mentioned something about keeping that messaging the same I think he did that and he got the energy up so I think guys weren't bombarded with a different message they just heard it in a different tone and it was a tone that they well respected I I think that even if it's not with the White Sox Miguel Cairo definitely needs to be looked at at some uh you know job for for managing a team just because I mean he is young I, I I don't see why he's not as capable as you know Aaron Boone I mean, it's, it's, it, I don't think managing an MLB team is that hard. But <laughs> Miguel Cairo has proven enough here that, you know, he, he can manage a team. So Somebody I, I in the know. comments was trying to kill James Baldwin. Why? I don't know. He said, oh. rip James Baldwin. I was like, he didn't die. I mean, we're talking about the great author, poet. Mm-hmm. Yes, James, that James Baldwin is currently not with us. But the White Sox great, James Baldwin, uh, him of the 2000 White Sox, who uh, summarily got dismissed by the Seattle Mariners the last time. No, the year after was the last time the Seattle Mariner were in the playoffs, the 116 win Seattle Mariner. But that guy, as I checked it, he's still alive. Hey, our James Baldwin still least, with us. At least you're not we're the White Sox fans. You won the AL Central, and your team's not going to make it back to the postseason uh, in 2021 and 2022. But at least you weren't the 116 Mariners who made the playoffs and then lost the next year, didn't make it in the postseason, um, and then had a 21-year drought. Yeah. Setting an MOB record and then not getting in there. Um, the comments have been great all night. Shout out to Matt uh, from Oklahoma. Uh, they, they have been hilarious. Um, I do want to just notify, uh, not notify, but uh, uh, note Stupid Donkey's follow-up uh, super chat where he said, my bad, LOL. You're all good. You we to love apologize you. to us, Super Stupid Donkey. We're, we're just joking with you. Good. And it was both on October 6th, which I think was probably the confusion there. Um, and if it did happen on the same day on 2012, it would be so White Sox. But also Terry Francona, that would also be, in a way, an insular hire because he was a, a minor league coach with the Sox. He was. He he managed the... Uh, Mike Jordan. Yeah, exactly. The Birmingham Barons down there when Michael Jordan, some guy, was down there hitting 222, which is still amazing to hit 222 or whatever he hit down there in the minor leagues. It's crazy that that college basketball player who hit that shot in that national championship didn't do anything until 1994 when he popped up in the minor league baseball uh, organization of the White Sox. He just did nothing after North Carolina? I don't know. That's that's the last time I saw him. uh, Just playing minor league baseball for the Birmingham Barons. I don't know why those games were televised. (laughs) <laughs> it's weird. Uh, I like LA Kimba 11 saying Chris Widger for manager. Um, absolutely. Um, we got to let you know why we're at the game today. Uh, game time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports concerts and shows. If you've ever dreamed of sitting in a seat, you never thought you could either at the 50 yard line court side behind home plate 
floors, seats at concerts. It's possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. We got tickets in Section 113 with the White Sox um, for what was that one? That one was thirty-nine dollars total. Thirty-nine. Wait, wait, no, forty-eight dollars total. Forty-eight dollars for today. Yesterday was thirty-nine dollars. Yep. So we bought day of about a half hour before and got a better deal. So, like but, it says, you know, biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats. So yeah, and the seats you're were always a little different, though. We had a 348 in the club level, which yeah. are special seats. If you ever been in the White Sox club level, you get to sit inside. Well, you get to sit outside. The inside, you have some nice bathrooms, your own concession stands. You don't have to go with the riffraff down there in the 500 or the 100 <laughs> level. You can be special up there. We didn't go to those seats, but, you know, we had those. And then today, we were, like, Three rows away from that guy in the first inning who made a sliding catch Hubbard? on the first batter versus Alvis Andres. We were literally 10 feet away from that he guy. He almost Dustin Fowler himself. Yeah, it was so close. We were right there by the field. And if you watch the replay of the game later on tonight, I don't know what you would. Bottom of the first inning, walk, watch the right fielder slide into the wall and look for Sean, Steven, and I in the crowd. We're like three rows back. Herb got up and started yelling at the guy. I said, give me the goddamn ball. <laughs> He didn't give me the goddamn ball. He did not. What was his name? Brennan. Yeah. I said, Brennan, give me the ball. Will he, Brennan. He did not give me the ball. They have a Will Benson and a Will Brennan. It was the first out of the inning. Um, Mark Tian. Hey, Mark Tian's popping up. Mark Tian popped up at the game. We were talking about 23s. Did you know Vince Velasquez is number 23? I did know that he is. That's why I've told him to take it off every time I see him. I forgot about that Mike Jordan guy. Um, yeah, very, very crazy. And then uh, Mark Tian was brought up. Should be retired for a certain number uh, 23, Robin Ventura. Mark Tian also deserves the uh, the T- honor. T-Town was not a good White Sox. He was a great baseball player. He had, Like like uh, Hawkeru used to say, he had that baseball face. Um, also, want to let you know, too, about CHGO. Um, this is a fantastic, fantastic company, um, and we've tried to provide the best content for you fans. We are right. fans. Uh, we were sitting around our fans today in, in the 108. We were sitting in 113. Uh, had a lot of sights to see. I love the fan over in uh, probably it must have been 115. Uh, the guy with the old school uh, 83, 83 jersey on and the red hat. And uh, he was standing up trying to look for his friend uh, out in the uh, the Goose Island section. Man could not see him. And Sean was looking everywhere out. but right field. <laughs> Sean was like, he's right there. The I know who's going on. He's I know exactly up, who you're home. talking about. <laughs> yeah. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, yeah. He sees him finally. Yeah. Like five minutes. Just absolutely brutal. Um, You're just killing White Sox fans in the comments. Stop killing White Sox. Hey, I know Yvonne Calderon's dead, but stop killing him. Sky point for, for Yvonne C. Um, also, I want to give a shout out to Clark. We didn't see Clark at the game on uh, on Yesterday. Tuesday, um, but I did see Clark's mustache on Twitter after the game. He did not need the Dylan C's giveaway. That man's got a curly cue on there. He's got like the, uh, the Raleigh, Raleigh fingers, fingers going. Oh, it's real nice. Clark really uh, stepping out here with the, uh, the mustache game. I mean, he's even... Uh, you know, competing with Vinny here. And that profile pick, it looks like he's at Kauffman Stadium. It looks real nice. Looks also like Wrigley, though. Ugh, no. It looks like Kauffman Stadium. So, Clark, uh, tell us if it, that's uh, uh, Kauffman Stadium. And sorry we did miss you uh, at the game because we would like to see everybody out there if we get a chance. So, uh, who we got to see today? Uh, Jack again. And then who was sitting behind us? We saw Jack. Um, and then we saw my guy, Mike. Um, Duck Central. Um, who oh, Duck Central. Yeah. Who thought loves he was, you. Thought he was supposed to be. He was, he was supposed to be uh, in the comments today, flirting with me, but he's not here. So I'm. I'm pretty disappointed. I mean, it's been 50 minutes. Um, Mike's not showing up. So what's going on here? Um, and then who else did we see? Your uncle. 
Oh, we saw my aunt and uncle. Uh, shout out to Dana and Pat. Uh, that was that was cool. I was walking in, and then I saw my uh, aunt and uncle right there. I was like, hey, guys, what's up? I just grabbed them in the line. Uh, we were walking through the same gate. I thought we saw somebody else, too, no? I mean, of course, all the people in the 108. No, we saw the guy um, when we walked in, after you got your oh, lotes. yes. Uh, when we were getting the fries. Oh, he had the Moncada jersey on. Yes. Yes. Um, and he was telling me how Moncada sucked. I mean, that's, that's, that's very true. Yeah, he said he loved the show. I said, I want to say, I forgot it. I don't want to mess his name up, but know that we, we appreciate you. I appreciate. I want to say Tom because I thought yeah, it was White Sox Tom. It sounds like that, Tom, yeah. So we appreciate anybody who recognizes us, firstly. That's like a it blows my mind every time when right. somebody says, hey, Herb. Today, they were like, hey, Sean. And Sean was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Me? And it was Jack. It was Jack yeah. who, uh, Kukowski who said what's up to him. So, what? yeah, it's always, a, it's always a weird thing. It never gets old I'm when people say hi to you. Local celebrity Herb Lawrence. So I, I always think people are going to yell out, hey, Herb, if they notice anybody from the podcast. Or, or hey, Steven for, uh, from it's his work was, at Stadium. Because you were wearing the CHGO beautiful <laughs> show right th- shirt right there. I'm wearing the Ed Farmer Light It Up shirt. Rest in peace, since we're already well, R.I.P. and people in the comments. Rest in peace, Ed Farmer. Yes, R.I.P. Farmio. Um, White Sox legend in his own right in many different ways. Uh, Steven, can you show yourself on the, the, the broadcast right yeah, now? I mean, I, Steven's I, rocking the shirt, too. So, I mean, Steven was the dead giveaway. I was wearing the CHGO shirt, but Steven's got the logo oh, on his shirt. The he's, brawler socks. He's yeah. got the brawler socks on there. So, uh, oh, this is supposed to be the CHGO ad. Uh, if you want to buy a, a sick-ass shirt, uh, go to chgolocker.com. We have the brawler socks if you're looking for the uh, shirt with our logo on it. We got the size C shirt. We got this little pocket shirt that I love. I love the little small design. We have the new black CHGO script that's going to be delivered soon here. Uh, they also have that one in red, which is a very classic look if you're talking about Mike Jordan. Uh, and there's also the new QB1 design. And uh, if you love the Bears week one win, uh, you'll also love the QB1 slide. Or was that is that the quarterback slide? Um, that that shirt was sick. It was oh, like yeah. the the retro eight bit part. Uh, Eric went off with that one. So if you want a sick ass shirt, uh, check out all chgo or check out chgolocker.com. Uh, and also you could check out all chgo.com. If you become a member there, you get access to Vinny's free writing and you get a free shirt along with it. So it's a great deal uh, to sign up. And we've been way. talking too at the game, and Sean brought up some great ideas about our off season shows because we got to start thinking about the off season because fans, uh, we're not going to make the playoffs this year. So we're off season's going to start on October 6th, I believe that is. So um, you people who are already in the Discord will be participating a lot. If you want, we'll be having some shows where we'll be doing some drafts like we did with the cereal draft. And I clearly won. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And today I ate some delicious Reese's Puffs. Steven, in oh, honor so of not, your first So now pick. you like the Reese's Puff. Oh, I've I'm, always I'm, loved the Reese's Puff. You just had the team, first. Should have voted for Team 1. That's you right. had the first pick. But they have so many different Reese's Puffs. They had a thing called Bats. So you just have the bat-shaped uh, Reese's Puff. They just taste the same. And they didn't have it for my delivery today from Jewel. So they gave me Reese's Puffs clusters. It's just bigger Reese's Puffs that look like they're all clustered together. Hmm. Still delicious flavor, though. Not as good, I don't think. Like, the ratio's off should get more of a ball like a, the regular Reese's Puffs. The ratio is per- perfect there because it seemed like I got more chocolate than I got peanut butter, and I like the ratio to be more peanut butter than chocolate. The Discord, the way you become a Discord member is become a member of All CHGO or our whole thing here at CHGO Sports, so allchgo.com or points bet, $51 bet or more, you get a free year membership 
of from CHGO and you get a free t-shirt. So that and then you get second you get you get uh access to our Discord. People in our Discord like Alex Rude, uh Champagne Dan is always doing some good stuff there. Clark, uh, Clark is always in there talking some good stuff. Uh we had a lot of people. Uh Pale Holes Mike mm-hmm. was back in the day, he's in there. So yeah, it's uh small donation and then for that $51 you can bet on the White Sox to lose you'll win that money get that free CHGO membership the discord access the free t-shirt such a deal friends especially when they're going up against Shane Bieber tomorrow we will be having a pregame and postgame for you uh, live at 630 we won't be going up tomorrow's game uh, and after the game as well we'll be live with you but I think Shane Bieber is absolutely going to wipe the floor with them Uh, let's look at Tristan McKenzie's numbers real quick again um, because I do think um, that this needs to be noted. So we love called strikes plus whiff, or at least I do, and I love dorking out at it. Um, but this needs to be noted. Whew. Tristan McKenzie threw 100 pitches, 46 called strikes plus whiffs. What do you guys know? What have I been able to tell you about called strikes plus whiff? What does 46% tell you? League average is 27. And so that is well above league average. It's exceptional steven uh herb's math checks out so it's nearly 20 percent better than the average which is why we got beat down today absolutely uh that's why that guy was able to be efficient do you guys want to play a game i'll end on a little quiz i would love it all right this is most called strikes plus whiffs versus the Sox in 2022 in a single game Number one, we'll do top five here. Can we guess the best performances by called strikes plus whiffs in 2022 versus the Sox? Can we guess them? I'm going to go with uh, Tristan McKenzie. Tristan McKenzie not only is one, but he is two. When he struck out 14 White Sox, he had 44 called strikes plus whiffs on August 19th, 2022. Tonight, 46 called strikes plus whiffs on September 21st, 2022. It was the 21st night of September, and Tristy McKenzie whooped your ass. I think that was the Earth, Wind, and Fire song. Yes, it was. Um, Just ridiculous. So that was the one and two performances. Any other guesses for three? Shane Bieber. Four or five. No Shane Bieber. Really? Because he had that one start where he just lit us off, too. In July, he had the most called strikes, but he didn't have the most whiffs. He had the most called strikes with 24. I'm going to go with... um, Daniel Lynch. No. No, it's a good guess. I'm going to go with uh, Brady Singer. There it is. Brady Singer, 40 called strikes plus whiffs. He's tied for fourth. Uh, There's two guys with 40 uh, on May 17th. The Brady Singer game, 40 called strikes plus whiff uh, on on May 17th. Uh, John Gray, Fred, uh, coming in with John Gray, tied for fourth. 40 called strikes plus whiffs on uh, June 12th, 2022. Was there another guess? Um, no, I don't have any more guesses. Oh, uh, Jack Wachowski, though, jumping in. Good to see you, but good boys of the game. We're all enjoying the ride together. Very, very happily. Um, Kark is going to say Bo Brisket or, uh, yes, Bo Brisket not, from the Detroit Tigers. Not Bo Brisket. It's a, it's a Cy Young candidate. Oh, was it Verlander? Nope. Then I'm going to go with uh, Framber yeah, Valdez. Nope. I'm going to go with Shane McClanahan, Rue McClanahan. Nope. All right, let's see. Did, did it's they... also an MVP candidate. Okay, I'm going to go with Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani, 42 called strikes plus whiffs. Uh, what is this, June 29th? I can't read dates. June 29th. So, what it basically, Tristan McKenzie is going to be a Cy Young against us for the rest of eternity. 27 strikeouts in his last 15 innings pitch, no walks. Wow, 
he struck out a whole game's worth of players in two <laughs> games. Oof. I mean, he has filthy stuff, and it looks like he's putting it together. That skinny frame I thought would not last a full season, and he's proven me wrong. He is doing the goddamn job. Kudos to Carl Willis. Uh, developing him, developing Shane Bieber. Even Sai Savali was looking great yesterday. So, uh, <laughs> God damn it. We're going to yeah. have years and years of losing this Cleveland Guardians team to change their name and become winners. I saw uh, Clark mention something about the Cleveland's going to regress. I don't know if Cleveland's going to regress. I think they'll just probably win about like 83 to 87 games each and every and year. That's going to be enough. And that's the thing. is like that's the White Sox crumbling. Elvis Andrews said, we know that the Guardians are going to crumble. You guys crumbled. You guys failed. You guys needed to sweep the Guardians. You are trying to fight off a sweep tomorrow. You crumbled. You failed. Every person in that organization, I know Andrews has been fantastic in his first 30 games, but everyone failed. And the fandom has been failed. This has just been a very, very, very sad season. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Eckner 23 He's the CHGO White Sox community leader. We'll be live with our pregame show previewing Shane Bieber versus Johnny Cueto at 6.30 live here on the CHGO Sports YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe, like the video, and hit the notifications so you know when we go live here on YouTube. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. I'm the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. Thank you very much to Vinny Duber who joined us live from Guaranteed Rate Field. He is our CHGO White Sox beat writer, and you can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Follow the account on Twitter, the CHGO White Sox account, at CHGO underscore White Sox. We also want to give a very, 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 very uh, big thank you to uh, Stephen Nicholas for producing the show today. And thank you to all of our great, great people in the live chat. White Sox, Tom, John, SB, Fred, Edgar, Mike, Guy Clark, and uh, obviously uh, our guy Jack, too, who yeah, we saw live and in person. Well, I'm thinking about this. Like, we have a tailgate this oh, Sunday. Shit, thank you. And I'm going to be there. Sean's going to be there. I don't know if Steven's going to be here. He's going to have to probably be here to work in and such. We'll, we'll eventually I think, have I think pre- I might need to be here, too, to work. Pre-game. So I'm going to be there at least. So join us. The Bears are going to be playing. Well, sorry. The Chicago football team will be playing the Atlanta Falcons. No, they'll be playing the Houston team. The with Chicago Bears. The I don't know if we can say the official names, but whatever. You know who the teams are. We'll be having a tailgate right there on Roosevelt. And Michigan Avenue. No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. Yeah. And Roosevelt and Michigan will be having a food goddamn truck, some beers for you. $34. That's sweet. That is a sweet deal, guys. It's a sweet deal. Friends. Just for food and drinks. Man, with that ticket, awesome. Eight o'clock till noon. We'll be doing that. So go out there, get your tickets, hit the link right below, right where you're watching right now. If you're either watching on YouTube or if you're listening on the podcast, it's a link right there that says, hey, go here to get your tickets for the tailgate that's happening on Sunday. Oh, it's going to be so great. I'm going to be drinking. I'm going to be eating. Somebody's going to challenge me to chug and I'm going to beat them. <laughs> it could be you. You could lose to me in a chug contest. There you go. Uh, so if you want to bear down and uh, the biggest and best party in the Windy City, go to allchgo.com and reserve your spot or click the link in the description, like Herb said, uh, for more info below. Uh, and also, uh, again, $34 to get you in, all-inclusive. Uh, should be fun. It's the first ever CHGO Bears tailgate, so that should be very, 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 very fun. And I, I saying that team name because that's the name of the podcast. Yes. Right? I mean, I think you get away with it because it's the name of the podcast. I think Can we're I? good to say it. Yeah. I, right? I'm just, you know, tentative. The CHGO Blue and Orange Tailgate. 
<laughs> the CHGO Monsters wonder, of the Midway. I wonder, tailgate. like, you know, they had like an embargo, like the big game usually has. Oh, when, 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 game. We're, when we were in uh, sports radio, we could not say Super Bowl. Like, oh, like, hey, the scores has the Super Bowl party for you. Nope. We'll have the big game on on Sunday. And you could not prepare to tussle as well. No, no. You couldn't say the Michael Buffer words because he has lawyers all around the country listening for you to play that sound in particular, and you would have to pay money, which the score has paid a lot of money to Michael Buffer for using his trademark sound. And if I even if I say it here, I think I'll get sued by Michael goddamn Buffer. Absolutely. He's uh, a good guy. He's like 70, but he has a lot of people out there. And Br- Brandon speaking the damn truth, saying it's literally on the wall behind you guys. Herb, look over your head. I see it. There you go. Super Bowl 20, my friends. 1985 was the greatest it, year of my life. saying it is bad. January 26, 1986. All right. Uh, I don't want to be sued, Brandon. I don't. I have little money. Brandon is uh, Michael Buffer's lawyer. Okay. Um, we're going to end the show. Go White Sox. We'll talk to you tomorrow.